Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and His church than when you tuned in. How are you? My name is Richie. I'm so glad to see you today and really believe that God is going to move powerfully. I'm super excited for this time. I know we just get a few minutes here, but uh, I just get fired up thinking about all that God could do and wants to do in speaking and revealing and making himself known in every single one of our hearts. If you don't know this, I'm a pastor. love Jesus with all my heart. Love that he allows me to be a part of helping as many people as possible experience his love and his grace. And I really believe that that's what's going to happen for each of you today. That he's going to make himself known in your life. He's going to make his power real, his love real. He's going to fill hearts with hope and with joy, with excitement. I, I just get fired up. So uh, I'll just let you know ahead of time, I'm excited for today and uh, really excited about what God's going to say. I think I lose track sometimes of what we're doing here. Uh, as a church, we say we're on a mission to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. It's easy for me to lose my way in that mission, in the craziness of life, in all that is happening in so many of our worlds. Uh, just last week, I got an email right before one of our prayer meetings. And a gentleman I'd never met before reached out for prayer saying, I I've had this headache for five years. Can't even think straight, see straight couple of little kids and his heart is aching. He's literally crying as he's writing this email to me, just talking about how just broken he feels, doesn't believe in God, but is really this last ditch effort. If God is real, could he heal me? And right before this prayer meeting, I just feel led. I got to pray. Like we're here to pray tonight. I just need to pray for this guy. So as we're out in our parking lot and getting ready for the prayer meeting, I'm just walking around praying for this gentleman and believing that God is going to make himself known in his life and show up in a powerful way. And later on that night, I replied to his email. A couple days later, he gets back to me. You won't believe it. Thank you so much for praying. My headache of literally five years is gone. Like God has healed this guy via an email exchange, via, via you know, this, this prayer-filled moment. Like I forget what we're doing here sometimes, that, that actually the God of the universe wants to work in our lives through us in a powerful way. It's not just some like little strategic game of spirituality that we're playing here. God loves people, wants to heal people, wants to save people, and he wants to use people like you and me for his power to flow through. One of our favorite passages around here is Ephesians 2, Tim. Paul writes to a church in Ephesus a couple thousand years ago, and he says, hey, you are God's masterpiece. You need to understand this, that God designed you perfectly. He understands who you are. He sees you. He knows you. He's created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you could do the good works that he planned long ago for you to do. Like God wants to work through your life. 
Don't you kind of lose track? I lose track all the time of what we're actually doing here, that the God of the universe wants to move through these little imperfect, crazy, messed up lives that each of us are living and wants to change people, wants to reveal his love to them. I mean, as this gentleman emails me back, he's like, I I don't know about God, but I I really think God is the one that is healing me, that God is changing me right now. When I see that love of God poured out in this gentleman's life that lives in a totally different part of the world, seeing God change him right now is to me a, a reminder of, whoa, God wants to work through us as a people to see people experience his love, his power, his grace. I get excited about this passage in Luke 9 today because the disciples of Jesus were invited into an amazing adventure of being used by God. And I think you and I are invited in that same adventure of of God, of the universe, moving through us and changing people's hearts and lives through us, saving souls, rescuing people out of hell, healing marriages that are broken, setting people free from addictions, taking headaches away, whatever the, the demonstration of his power and his love is, God wants to do that through us. But as these disciples of Jesus in Luke 9 got going in this ministry of of healing and hope and helping people, they kind of lost their way. This is a passage of failure. And when when us and the team started first putting this message together, I was super discouraged. I'm like, great. I get to preach all about failure. Like this is like my least favorite thing to talk about. But at the same time, God started to show me what happens when he gives us a mission that is beyond our capacity. Like we can't do this in our own strength and we try to go on our own strength. Failure is inevitable. But the cool part is that God creates us anew in Christ Jesus as his masterpiece to do these good works that he planned long ago for us to do. He planned to actually put his power and his spirit inside of us to empower us to live out this mission. He never planned on us doing this on our own. He always planned to give us his power, always planned to give us his spirit, always intended to make us more than we could ever be in our own strength and our own ability. And the disciples kind of lost their way, like we lose our way. Luke chapter nine, if you're not familiar with scripture, I want you to maybe Google it, look it up on a Bible app there on your phone. Shane preached last week about this transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain, this amazing picture of God's glory being revealed And now they come down off the mountain. And and I want you to catch up with me here in verse 37 of Luke chapter 9. This is an eyewitness account of Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching that this physician, Luke, put together a couple thousand years ago that we're studying so that we can become Jesus' people. We want to know what he's like, what his teaching's about, who we are to become. So that's why we're looking at this today. Look at verse 37 with me. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, this mountain where Jesus was completely changed, a great crowd met Jesus. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit, this is like a demon, seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him. You can imagine almost like a a seizure, right? And, and, And will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, 
Maybe more of a rebuke of his disciples than this man with this, this son that was hurting. He says, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw this boy to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. I want you to look at this moment of failure of the disciples here for just a second before we read on. It was clear that there's this need. The father reaches out. The disciples try to cast out this demon and they can't do it. It's this clear picture of they got to the end of them themselves. They didn't have the power. They didn't have the authority. They didn't have the capacity to cast this demon out. It's kind of like maybe an assessment moment for you and I. Like, do you ever feel like you're super busy, super like doing a ton of things, but not very effective? Like working hard, but not making a difference? like consumed with a lot of things, but not impacting people's lives. Like a powerless effort, an effort, a lot of effort, but minus the power. See, see, this is what it's like when you and I try to do the good works, the good things that God has given us to do long ago, but we do them in our own strength. They lack the power. They lack the anointing, we call it, where the spirit of God is actually moving through you to make an impact in somebody else's life. See, the disciples got going on this mission and forgot that they didn't have the power in of themselves. Do you ever feel like you're doing a lot, but you're not very effective? I want you to pick up with me again here in verse 43, 44. While they were still all marveling at everything Jesus was doing, he said to his disciples, so he kind of turns to them, verse 44, he says, let these words sink into your ears, guys. Really want you to hear what I'm about to say. The son of man speaking of himself, Jesus speaking of himself, I'm about to be delivered into the hands of men. He's speaking of his betrayal, his trial, his beating, his crucifixion, his death on a cross, this immense amount of suffering that he's about to go through on behalf of all mankind. He's speaking of this moment, but they, the disciples, did not understand this saying. And in fact, it was concealed or hidden from them so that they may not perceive it, understand what he was saying. And then they're afraid to ask him about the saying. Like, what is he really saying here? Again, the disciples kind of fail. You see them kind of fall short of actually experiencing not only the work of God, the power of God through them, but the understanding of God in their lives. See, you see, they've gotten this short-sighted perspective that I think a lot of us get where, where it, kind of our faith is immature and doesn't understand that suffering and hardship is actually a part of strengthening this heart and this life. The suffering Jesus was about to endure was a suffering on behalf of all mankind that was going to create an opportunity for salvation of all mankind and in a short-sighted way. It's really hard to understand that. Like, I, I don't like hardship, neither do you. And kind of an immature perspective is that we should never have hardship. Things should never be hard. They should always go according to plan. That suffering was not according to the disciples' plan. And so outside of the understanding of God, the power of God, they couldn't comprehend this. There's this sense, I don't know if you kind of get like this sometimes, where I lose track that the suffering 
that you and I are experiencing or could experience could actually be something that marks Jesus' people. People who endure hard things are Jesus' people. And and when I start to kind of assess my heart, I go, why am I so frustrated at suffering? Why am I so mad at hardship? Like it shouldn't be this way. This passage gives me this, this sense again, oh, this was a failure of the disciples to get mad at hardship, to get frustrated at suffering. Oh, where, where I get to the spot where maybe I even get mad at people's lives when they're going good. I don't know if you find yourself like this. We live in Spokane. It's the east side of Washington State. We're literally 30 minutes from Idaho. Through this whole COVID thing, it has been the hardest deal living right on this border because in Idaho, COVID doesn't even exist, it feels like. We have tons of people that we know there. The church that launched us 10 years ago is over there. And just watching everything feel like normal, kids going to school, sports happening, everything seems so normal. 30 minutes away, we live in a completely different universe, it feels like. And it's really hard to not get frustrated at their good fortune, at the way things are going in their lives. It's really hard to not get frustrated with our hardship or our suffering over here or the way things are locked down here and our kids can't go to school. Nobody can play sports. Churches can't meet without everything being all crazy. Like there's this, just this weird thing inside of us. And I really feel like for me, it's an immaturity to go, it shouldn't be hard. And if it is hard, then I, I you know, it's just not going right the way it should be. The disciples' failure here was to understand that suffering actually produces endurance and character and perseverance and something beneficial and powerful is going to come out of the suffering of Jesus, like the salvation of all mankind. So then they kind of fall apart a little bit more here. Look at um, verse 46. So an argument arose among them, these disciples. So they start fighting. Which one of them was the greatest? Like when you read this at face value, this feels very childish, right? Like, no, I'm better. No, I'm, I'm, I'm greater. No, no, I got it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that Jesus likes the most, right? But, but there's this sense of, of something inside of our hearts that tugs at us when we hear this. Jesus, knowing the, the reasoning of their hearts, verse 47, took a child and put him by his side. And he said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all is the one who is great. See, the disciples failed again. They failed to understand what makes someone great. There's a measuring stick that the world uses for greatness, success, achievement, power, finances, all of these things that the world uses to measure greatness. Jesus goes, hey, I measure differently. Those who are least, those who are the servant, the ones that are sacrificing the most, those are the great ones in my kingdom. This child that I have here standing next to you who you think so little of culturally and and just because he's a little child, These are the ones that are actually going to accept, receive, get into the kingdom of God because they understand that in their simplicity, there's a desperate need for for the power of God to move through them. See, our culture screams independence. What power you have in your own strength, your own ability, your your self-madeness is how culture preaches to you constantly. And Jesus has a different way, least sacrificial 
servanthood. And see, the disciples failed to understand what makes one great. And I wonder if sometimes if we were just to take a look inward to go, man, do you feel like you're not getting recognized for the things that you're doing? You're actually getting treated like a servant because you're not noticed. (laughs) You're not appreciated the way that you should be appreciated or want to be appreciated. What does an argument about who's the greatest come from? It's kind of a, it's a measuring stick, right? That we're holding up against each other. Go, no, I'm doing more. No, I'm, I'm more important. No, I'm, I'm, I'm significant. And it's this grasping at recognition and somebody noticing me. And, and, and you could just check your heart for a second and go, wow, do I feel like I'm not being recognized or appreciated or understood for how, how hard I work or how awesome I am or how much I serve or how much I sacrifice. And Jesus is going, hey, hang on a second. What makes you great is not how recognized you are, but how sacrificial you are, how much you serve, how, how little you are, how, how much of the least you are. See, again, these, these all point to this kind of picture of you, you can't do this in your own strength, disciples. You can't think about suffering the right way. You can't think about servanthood the right way. You can't think about sacrifice the right way when you're trying to do things in your own power with your own understanding in the world's way. Jesus has a different way. And if we're gonna do the good works that Jesus called us to do long ago, then we've gotta figure out how to come under his power, under his authority and walk in his anointing where his power gives us the ability to serve thanklessly to sacrifice willingly, to understand that maturity uh, is, is marked by servanthood and sacrifice, not by recognition and power and riches and prestige. It's a totally different measuring system. Look at verse 49. John answered, as after Jesus makes this mention, he said, yeah, master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. You can almost hear him being like tattletale tone if you've ever had that tone in your heart, right? We tried to stop him. <laughs> kind of like, okay, John, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, he, Jesus, he doesn't, he's not one of us. He doesn't follow with us, right? He's not in our crew, like our camp, our tribe. He's not with us, and so we tried to stop him. Good, right? We did good, right? Jesus like, oh, don't stop him, John. The one who's not against you is for you but there's a lot of people on this team on this mission that I'm using and I want you to understand that every time the disciples stumble here there's this recognition of like oh the way I'm doing this is not maybe Jesus way I'm trying to do it my own way my own power my own strength it's really easy for our hearts to fill with criticism towards others instead of a heart of like collaboration we start to compare and go well maybe God's using them and I wish God was using me and then we kind of get bitter and jaded towards people and we just criticize them and their ministry or their opportunities or, or, or maybe stories about people. And there's this sense of kind of, whoa, 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 John, back up. Just because somebody's using my name and casting out demons doesn't mean they're against us because they're not a part of this kind of crew right here. Like I can use them too. And I really feel like the assessment is like, finding ourselves mad at people who are succeeding or being used by God is another clear indication that we're trying to do this our own way and our own strength 
outside of the anointing and the authority of Jesus. So here's, here's the bottom line of this whole conversation. God has work for you to do. It's a mission that's beyond you. Lives actually being changed through your life. Like he, he wants to save you and I and our soul for all of eternity. But eternity starts right now. Where now we join him on this mission of more and more lives being changed by him. See, this is not something you can accomplish in your own power. You don't have what it takes to live out this mission. Neither do I. So then we have to make a decision. Do we continue to strive in our own strength or do we come under the authority of Jesus? Because the anointing of God, the power of God flows when we are under the authority of God, not outside of the authority of God, trying to do things our way and our, our strength. The anointing moves through our life. The power of God moves through our life as we are under the authority of Jesus. So how do you do that? First, it starts with this very simply, just going, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the power of myself. I, I, don't, I don't have any authority and strength in of myself. God, you've called me to a mission that's greater than me. God, you've invited me into a life that I, I don't have the capacity to, to manufacture and make. See, this is the essence of the gospel. It's this, this recognition of our inability to make ourselves right with God. God made us for a relationship with him, but we can't get there. Because in order to get there, we gotta be perfect, but we're not perfect. We fall so short of that standard of, of perfection. And so God sends his son and his love to walk sinless and perfect so that any one of us that would choose to acknowledge, I don't have what it takes, we can come under the power and the perfection of Jesus and he would willingly go to a cross, die on our behalf, suffer so that you and I could actually be set free from all of our imperfection and in exchange receive his perfection. The Bible says it like this, that he who knew no sin actually became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'll say it again because this is really powerful. The one who knew no sin, Jesus, the perfect one who walked sinless and perfect. He, God actually made him sin. He became all of our sin and corruption, all of our imperfection, so that anyone who would put their faith in him could now become the righteousness of God, that we can now be right with God. See, see, it starts, the authority of God, the, the power of God, the anointing of God starts with this admission. I don't have what it takes. I can't save myself. I, I can't give myself a life of power and courage and confidence and amazingness. God, it is going to be you moving through me. That is the only hope I have. That is the only way this mission is going to happen. That is the only way my friends are going to come to know you. That is the only way my marriage is going to be saved. This addiction is going to be triumphed over. That's the only way any of this is going to work, God, is by your anointing, your power, your spirit. See, what, what I love is Jesus says, all right, all right, as soon as you say yes to my leadership, now, now I put a deposit of my spirit inside you. This is the power of God, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead is now placed inside of every single one of our hearts, giving us the power to become somebody totally different, somebody that God can use, somebody that God can, can use to pray for somebody via email. Like, like in my heart, when I think back on that moment as I'm walking around the parking lot, praying for this guy with this five-year headache, I'm, I'm just pleading with God, God, would you show him that you love him? I'm not going, God, boy, I hope that I have a, a, a story someday to tell out of this. 
God, this man is crying out, desperate to know that you're real. Would you demonstrate your love in his life? Show him how powerful you are. God, this is about you and your glory and your power and your name being great in this man's heart. God, would you show up in a miraculous way? See, I really think that this kind of heart is a heart that God can take and use for his purposes. A heart that says, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the authority in myself. I can't make this life happen. I can't, I can't manufacture a life that's significant and meaningful and filled with power and people are being changed through me. No, God, it's you. Start there. And then, one of the things that I see and I love about Jesus is he's always in submission to his father in heaven. In John 12, he says, I only say what the father tells me to say. And I only say it how he tells me to say it. Like I'm not out here just like willy nilly doing my own thing, hoping that my father in heaven blesses what I'm saying and what I'm doing. I'm completely in submission to him. See, for you and I to walk in the anointing, we've got to learn humility and obedience to God's leadership in our life. Humility is to come under his authority, under his leadership, under his teaching. And then obedience is an outworking of that humility. You said it, God, I'll do it. You, you led me, I'm gonna do it. You, you spoke to me, I'm gonna do it. And see, these are the people that God knows, like, okay, if, if they're humble enough to come under my leadership, under my authority, and then they respond when I speak to them, these are the people that I can use. This is somebody I can put my anointing on, my power in, and, and trust that they're gonna do something because of my power inside of them. So I think about submission in, in, to his authority in, in my life makes way for the anointing. It creates space the more submitted and humble I am, the more obedient I become, the more space for his power to work through me. The more resistant and hard-hearted I am, it's small, it's tiny. My capacity for the anointing is, is small. I also think about submission to leaders in our lives, shepherds, government officials. And those that walk in submission, God has the power, has the ability to do something powerful through them. It's really easy to go the world's way, especially right now as everything is so kind of convoluted and full of anger and, and divisiveness. The world's way is get louder and get meaner. Jesus' way is get quieter and more submissive. <laughs> and, and it really feels like, no, no, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go the American way, not Jesus' way. Right, I'm gonna go culture's way of get louder, get more opinionated, get, get feistier. Like that's, that seems to be the way to get things done. It's not Jesus' way. That's the world's way. And for you and I to intentionally choose, all right, I'm gonna come under my leadership. I'm gonna come under the authority of those in my life. It's a shepherd in the, in the church, somebody that loves me. It's, it's a government leader that doesn't love me, but I'm trusting that God put them there. And so I'm gonna trust that God can take them out of there if God wants to. Like these are all decisions that lead to the anointing of God moving through our lives. I love this, First Peter 5, 6. I think Peter captures it so well here. He says, all right, humble yourself, real life. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And at the proper time, he will lift you up. He will exalt you. See, you do the humbling, God does the exalting. You don't lift yourself up, God lifts you up. 
And so for you and I to go, okay, I need more of God's power flowing through my life. He's in charge of the exalting, the anointing, the power moving. You and I are in charge of the humility and the obedience and the willingness to trust his leadership in our lives. See, here's the dream. This is why I'm so fired up about this passage and this message today. It's because God has always intended his church to be an army that's equipped for a mission. He never intended for us to be just cowards who, who run from everything that's hard in our lives. He wants to raise up an army of missionaries, people that are sent into their, their relational circles, people that are sent to their workplaces or their neighborhoods, their families, their schools, sent with courage, not in their own ability and their own power, but with his power. See, God always has envisioned his church as a force that's going to take down darkness, not run from darkness. And so I get excited because I think about what God could spark in your heart right now, the, the, the kind of like passion that he could fill you with to go, yeah, that's right. I've been cowering. I've been running. I've been hiding. I've been whining. I've been just kind of like doing my own thing and, and, and frustrated about everything that's been happening in my life. God's called me to stand up, to rise up, to become somebody who, who's his power is moving through lives are being changed through this little old me god you want to use me he wants to use you he created you a new in christ jesus to do the good works that he planned long ago for you to do <laughs> this is why i get so excited god what if an army saw this message online somewhere and made a decision to come under the the anointing of jesus decided to actually walk in the authority of jesus not in their own authority what could change? What neighborhoods could be different? What homes could be different? What marriages, what schools, what workplaces? God, what could change? What world, what city could change if people would make this decision to become your people who walk in your anointing, God, under your authority, God? I really get fired up thinking about you making that decision today. Every single one of us. So my prayer is that, that you and I would recognize this as an opportunity for us to become all that God made us to be. He's calling you out of darkness into light. He's rescuing you for a purpose. Let's walk in that purpose together. I wanna pray for you. Some of you have not yet put your faith in Jesus and you're hearing this. Okay, it starts in this repentant, I don't have what it takes to make myself right with God's spot. Yes, start there. And then know that as you repent of trying to make it happen on your own, God is going to fill you with his spirit and his grace and the spirit of God inside you is gonna to begin to lead you into all truth. Man, the first step of recognizing his leadership in our life is a step of obedience called baptism. Take that step. We had a prayer meeting last week in the parking lot. Three more people got baptized. Last Sunday, uh, because of online interactions, two more people got baptized. People are saying yes to Jesus' leadership right now because they hear him drawing them out of their old life into a place of freedom and hope and love and acceptance. I want that for every single one of you. Take that step today. Many of you have been powerless and you're tired of it. It's time to rise up and become the army you were intended to be. Let me pray that prayer over you right now. God, you see your church everywhere they are. Those that have been disabled and sidelined and just incapacitated by fears or anxieties or pains or hardships, God, you're calling them out of darkness and fear and hopelessness into your light, God, so that we 
together as your church might declare your praises, that a people would know the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God, that a city would be changed, that neighborhoods would be changed, that marriages would be changed. God, you see every single person you are calling. You're grabbing each of us, God, right now by the heart. And you're saying, I want you. I see you. I know you. I love you. I have plans and purposes. I, I've created you for so many good works and you're not doing any of them. Come on. Let my power move through you. Let my grace move through you. Let my love move through you. We wholeheartedly say, yes, Jesus. Yes, God, we want to be those people. Yes, God, we surrender to you. Yes, God, we want your power moving through us. Yes, God, we are tired of messing it up like these disciples, doing it in our own strength, and our own power, and our own ability. God, we come to you. It is by your spirit. God, it is by your power, not by our power, but by your power, God, that this city, this world is going to be changed, God, that this neighbor is going to be changed, God. Use us. We surrender to you. Save souls right now, God. Give people the courage to say yes to your leadership. Give them the power to admit that they don't have what it takes, God. Give them the hope to believe that you're going to accept them no matter where they've been, what they've done, how hard it's been, God. You see them. You love them. You accept them. Your arms are open wide. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I love you so much. I pray that God continues to speak to you. Let us know what he's saying. Text us, email us, let us know. Get on our website. However you can respond, respond. If you're watching live right now, text, put something in the chat. We want to pray with you. We want to meet you where you are. We love you so much. Let's go to God together right now in worship. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.